Charm out Virginia, don't let me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. Hey there, folks. Uh, welcome to uh, your episode of We Need to Talk About Kevin this week. Uh, this is Rose on the mic. Uh, it's me, Ted. I have COVID. This is Trevor. So the brain doc gave me the limitless pills uh, last week, so we we skipped an episode. Uh, so instead, we're doing a a little bit of a loose hangout um, right now, talking about a good friend of ours, a friend of the pod that I think spiritually <laughs> has many connections to the Smith Man, uh, Cinema Robert, the movie Bob. Uh, Someone whose work, you know, I have obviously enjoyed on Twitter. His uh, <laughs> his tweets that seem to uh, tacitly endorse uh, eugenics that he uh, quickly backs away from and his baffling uh, opinions. <laughs> so recently I had a tweet of mine blow up because uh, I was sharing some of the movie Bob's greatest latest work. And um, I thought this was a great opportunity for us to talk about um, a show that we both love, uh, The Boys. So, both of us. Both? Oh, sorry. Oh, hang on, there's three of us here. Sorry, the all of us, what am all I? of us enjoy. Fucking chop COVID? Both of us, meaning us, the hosts, and you, the listeners. Both <laughs> groups of us love this show. <laughs> okay. Le- yeah, look, like. folks, I'm just waking up. It is 4 p.m. I'm only on my third Monster Energy drink right now, so... You know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So I want to read uh, two, two movie Bob uh, tweets here. Uh, his critical opinion on the satirical uh, superhero show, The Boys, which we all love. So um, on October uh, 4th, 2020, uh, this was after an episode of The Boys that opened with a regular dude becoming radicalized on the internet uh, into uh, killing a dude at a convenience store, some racial violence that seemed to be prompted by the media and the character Stormfront, who's a Nazi. It's very obviously a reference to alt-right radicalization and and violence. Just just to preface whatever stupid bullshit movie Bob said. So Trev hasn't heard these takes. He's smarter than me and, and has avoided Movie Bob for the most part. You're getting my <laughs> fresh reaction to these yeah. hot takes. I, I have uh, seen them quite a bit because I sort of saw one and I was like, what? I had to figure it out and I, I couldn't. So I saw people on the timeline talking about a Movie Bob thing and I was just like not interested. Don't want to know. So after that episode, Movie Bob posted... LMAO, so many edgelord assholes who loved hashtag the boys for being all violent and cynical and taking shots at taking sarcastic shots at Marvel slash Disney just caught on four episodes later than everyone else that they're the bad guys on this season of hashtag the boys and that the show fucking hates them. Uh, Crying (laughs) laughing emoji. So Bob details a bit more later, but he seems to think that this episode about alt-right radicalization is mostly about um, edgy uh, people who hate Marvel Disney um, and don't don't like the MCU. So this was after the episode with like the little vignette in the beginning where the guy shoots the teller, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the cashier. I don't know. Yes. That's not a teller. Okay. That doesn't make any fucking sense. So Movie Bob has taken this to be uh, mostly about his 
online grievances, as always, that this is a reference to yeah. uh, the haters of Marvel and Disney, the, the edgy, I assume, DC fans. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the connection he's taking. <laughs> the, the thing is that he uh, associates the, the alt-right with hating Marvel movies and liking mm-hmm. Zack Snyder. That's that's sort of like the 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 prevailing view in the little movie Bob uh, milieu that like <laughs> uh, that the only people that don't like the Star Wars sequels or Marvel or any of that stuff are just alt right people who hate women and don't like seeing women and minorities in movies. Yeah. So anyone that likes the boys and thinks like, oh, I like how this makes fun of Marvel movies must be like an alt-right person yeah so that episode was like owning them and being like oh this show's actually not for you he thinks that like alt-right and racist which i think if you're alt-right you are a racist also means that you hate marvel and like if you hate marvel that means that you're a nazi like there's no way you can hate marvel mm-hmm. and not be a nazi it's um, like that's the two sides of the culture war is either you're on Marvel's side or you're on like the far right fascist alt right uh, yeah. political side. There's also there's been a very clear leftist bent to the boys from the beginning. Also, mm-hmm. like maybe yeah, if you were so. a dumb right wing person, you could get through the first season not really picking up on it. But in this season. It's very clearly had an anti-racist, anti-alt-right agenda from the start. Like, not it's not subtle about it. And of course, <laughs> the entire thing is anti both Marvel and D. Not anti so much, but it is like it's against the two big comic book studios. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even really think that it's against. Like, it obviously, not, yeah, it yeah. obviously makes fun of the mainstream superhero stuff a lot. But I don't. I mean, people on all sides love to read in their own like views yeah. to like anything that they like. And I think a lot of people make a big deal out of like, Oh, this is so perfect. The way it satirizes those stupid Marvel movies that I hate. And it's like, I bet the writers of this show don't hate Marvel movies that much, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't really either like anti was a bad word, but the way it does do the, the satirical stuff like has been from the beginning. And I think it, it does it in like, obviously I like the show. It's really good at it. It's fun. So after the recent finale, the uh, showrunner uh, came out and did an interview where he said the big headline was um, superheroes are inherently mega, like they're inherently right wing. You know, Uh, that was the big headline. And then Movie Bob retweeted it with Le Psy. That, I want to say that again, <laughs> folks. Le Psy. So, like, Please Reddit speak L E space Psy, period. Okay? Wow. And then he says, so I guess at least a lot of that nuance and depth that made season two so much better, RE Stormfront, was happenstance. What? How, <laughs> and this is just I, this has been rattling in my, around my brain because it's a it's a fascinating misinterpretation of of what this show is, and I feel like diving into it will also reveal what the show is actually good at. So, okay, my thing is like he thinks that Stormfront, like superheroes being inherently MAGA, is antithetical to the show because he thinks the superheroes in it like aren't. MAGA I I like I looked all through the long thread that he made and I don't understand what he means still 
What is nuanced about the Stormfront character? Like, I, lo- <laughs> I like nuanced, I, and that's why it rocks. I like yeah. this show, but it's not that nuanced. No. The satirical element of it, it is very nuanced. blatant. So here's the thing. So Movie Bob follows it up with a clarification. He says, I'll never get people this able to self-insinulate from their own criticisms. In quotes, he says... We wanted to show how modern Nazis are still Nazis, even if it's dressed up in trendy post-political irony, both siderism. Oh, and also we hated the all-woman scene in Endgame and took an ironic dunk. Uh, he continues, shot at it, <laughs> using our glib Nazi pinup character to do so. But like that one we meant, which very confusing comment. But he's basically saying that he doesn't get how the show would critique the girl power scene in Endgame. Uh, why the showrunner wouldn't like that or not like the Marvel stuff and still critique Nazis, still think the Nazis so, are bad. Wait, wha- it's very strange. Very, very strange. Wait, all, all, all of that was movie Bob's words just that you were reading just now? Yeah, it's him doing okay. that thing people on Twitter do where they do like a fake quote from somebody. Right. Um, which yeah. is very annoying. So this is Eric Kripke, the creator of the show, who was interviewed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did he say that they hated the girl power scene in Endgame or is Movie Bob just inferring that? Well, there is like, I mean, there is a scene that kind of, uh, they do kind of parody that in The Boys. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I'm just wondering if he actually said they hated that scene and wanted to shit on it or if that's just Movie Bob's takeaway. Actually, he says in an interview that he's actually a fan of a lot of the Marvel stuff. Uh, I think the boys, uh, similar similar to Watchmen, I mean, it's similar to Watchmen in a lot of ways, but I think a quality yeah. it has that I like is that I do think that there's a kind of balance where the show, on the one hand, is a very cynical satire of superheroes, but on the other hand, you can tell the people making it do also really enjoy making this kind of story. There is something like yeah. captivating uh, about it. It's not pure um, cynicism, even if it is very dark. And more importantly for for this discourse, the thing that confuses me is that The Boys is extremely on the nose. It's not a mm-hmm. subtle, yeah. <laughs> deep show at all. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like shit on the show because I I love the show and I don't think that any kind of satirical thing has to be like perfect, you know, like I I like the fact that we can have like a well-made middle brow kind of fun satire thing, you know, it doesn't have to be that subtle or that smart. So that's that's all fine. I just like some of the way people like react who like the show react to it. I just feel like we don't have to pretend that the people that make this show aren't more Hollywood libs, you know, <laughs> like we don't have to try to like make everything that we like fit into like our personal mm-hmm. like political box, because most anything coming out of Hollywood It's not as the people making it aren't really their politics aren't that great, you know? Yeah. I I like like I just like the depiction of Vought in it in general. Oh, yeah. It's just enough that I can be like, yeah, this is like fun and I don't have to think about it too hard. Yeah, it's a really nice balance. It's really the only show that I I watch nowadays. Like I find that each episode of The Boys feels totally worth it by the end of it. It's not um it's not the most profound 
work of art you know it is a, a pretty light fun show most of the time even if it has this really dark edge but it's it's kind of what i want to watch you know at the end of the day it's it's very fun it does the genre stuff really well i like a lot of the horror uh and comedy elements in it um and also it's it's pretty smart underneath it like it is like you know it's clever yeah it's the smartest kind of like lib satire i think <laughs> yeah and, and the performances are fucking amazing yeah the performances yeah, yeah. Help a definitely lot. and it doesn't like really do the annoying woke stuff very much even though it is very good about like in terms of like representation because having read the comic which is pretty bad uh <laughs> they, they definitely like deliberately made the characters more diverse, made yeah. more of the characters women and non-white, and but and they, but they didn't like that didn't come along with like patting themselves on the back for doing it. In fact, a lot of season yeah. two is very much making fun of that attitude in the media, which I appreciated. I actually, so it's not like the worst kind of like liberal stuff, but it's it's. It's good. I actually wanted to touch on that because uh, I had previously talked to people about The Boys and Movie Bob because um, he definitely did get a lot of it. And I find it I find it interesting with The Boys that even though it is uh, like it's a more simple story than Watchmen, uh, but it really hits on certain elements of superheroes in a really blunt way that makes uh, a person like movie bob's reactions really interesting because he's kind of uh, the exact kind of audience that the show is is criticizing uh like when it talks about our relationship with with superheroes and it's so funny to me things things like the fact that um you know, that, that movie Bob really does uh, see the girl power moment, uh, not just in the boys, like with that end scene and an end game, of course, but also like the representation of, of having a gay superhero. Like he really <laughs> buys into that and doesn't get why the boys would be critiquing <laughs> that in any way. And you even see it in like the responses where people are saying, you know, um, superheroes aren't right wing. There's been, you know, Jewish people who have written Jesus superhero Christ. stories and gay people who have written it. And I'm like, my God, you're doing exactly what the show very explicitly <laughs> criticizes, uh, which is Famous. falling for this like aesthetic of uh, progressivism. Jewish people, by the way, have famously never been right wing. I can't think of a single <laughs> right wing Jewish person in history. <laughs> But is Ditko Jewish? I actually don't know. I'm just curious. I'm not sure if Ditko's Jewish. I don't I don't think so, actually. The other part I want to bring up with Movie Bob and why I had spoken about him in the context of the boys before is that Movie Bob, uh, you know, he won't explicitly say it, but let's say his uh, his political views have a, a eugenicist flavor to them, uh, a <laughs> eugenicist undertone, and the boys is I mean, like, he's explicitly said it at some points, but those are older tweets that he now disavows. And the boys, like, I, I think one of its smarter uh, critiques is the way it kind of uh, addresses... Um, how the Nazi ideology has uh, grown over time and how like eugenics is yeah. still kind of like a, a myth that 
pervades America because I think it's mm. you know, spoilers for the boys, but I think it's kind of important at the beginning that people do think that the superheroes are natural born and their supremacy is kind of natural in, in the system. And then realizing that, no, that's like a lie you've been fed and this is all uh, manufactured. This is all the result of capital. This is all um, unnatural and to serve uh, a different interest. I think that's actually a pretty good uh, critique, and I think it's one that um, completely slid by uh, the movie Bob, yeah. unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah. It even makes this like really great transition from origins of Vought being Nazi Germany fascism mm -hmm. to like the sort of evangelist capitalism yeah. in America, where, where, where Vought transforms from like a literal Nazi company to this like jesus-y company that just helps heroes on their way up when yeah. really they're the one like pumping them full of drugs and doing experimentation on people and stuff and homelanders they're real like i think they even call him an ubermensch at one point they say he's like yeah the oh, the yeah. dream of the nazi party is this like aryan superman uh and that's like it's very on the nose but at the same time that's that's very fun and it is insightful and the show pulls off really well you don't need to be subtle to be, like, insightful, <laughs> I think. Something that a lot of shows fall into traps. It's sort of why I like uh, Legion and Fargo so much, because they sort of, not as much as the boys even, but they sort of, like, get rid of that and just have a fun show first. Yeah, I have to say, I'm so tired of hearing people trot out the fact that Superman and Captain America were created by Jews whenever anyone talks about them being <laughs> fascists. I think that's so stupid and so fucking missing the point. Like, yeah, su the Superman's creators were Jews. Captain America's creators were Jews. They both fought the Nazis in World War II. But that doesn't mean that like they can't be used to exemplify fascist Aryan ideals, which they both clearly have over the years, you know, like j just because the people that created the characters happen to be Jewish. And by the way, like people, people like to put so much gravity into the fact that Jews created Superman, that it's this story of, of the immigrant experience in America and all that but like these were just guys trying to make a buck writing funny books for kids like nobody <laughs> thought this was serious art back then like you're giving them way too much credit and you're just using the jewish identity of these <laughs> long dead men that you have no connection to as a shield against any criticism of these silly fucking superhero shit you know and this this shit get got trotted out against alan moore of all people, when his you know, whole superheroes <laughs> are fascist thing uh, got dredged up again. <laughs> and I think that's so ridiculous because people really don't understand. This is something that bothers me about the discourse around Alan Moore every time it comes up. Alan Moore has a pure love <laughs> and reverence for superhero comics yeah. and the art form of superhero comics that these people couldn't begin to understand. Uh, Long after he wrote Watchmen, the only thing of his anyone ever talks about anymore, he was still reinventing superheroes in new, interesting, postmodern ways that were totally different from Watchmen. He, yeah. he advanced 
and expanded the superhero genre more than any other uh, person, maybe any other comic writer in in the history of comics. Yeah. And the reason he's so frustrated with uh, superheroes and with comics is how mainstream comics have not, like followed in that example of exploring the different interesting ways that they can be used. You know, when he says superheroes are fascist, it doesn't mean that there can't be any good superhero entertainment. This is the guy who's written better superhero stories than any other person (laughs) alive. And then you get, you see the echo of the same thing with this Eric Kripke thing saying uh, superheroes are inherently MAGA, basically being the lib version of Alan Moore's superheroes are fascist (laughs) critique. And and then Movie Bob reacting the same way to as if he's condemning all superhero shit by making that critique, even though he's admittedly a fan of the same Marvel movies that Movie Bob <laughs> loves. He's just these people can't fat they don't understand what critique is. They don't understand that you can like love something and have like a critique of it. They just don't get yeah, what like art you is in the Kevin Smith movie. How it works. <laughs> <laughs> Very bad example, but true. Uh, yeah, I always find it funny whenever uh, we get an uh, funny and also frustrating whenever we get an Alan Moore story pop up because he's very obviously at this point just a very grumpy old man who is talking like pretty hyperbolically uh, to some of these interviewers about his feelings about, you know, superheroes. I don't even that. think he's that grumpy. I think <laughs> interviewers just keep asking him about that shit, regardless of what the subject of the interview is, and he's just giving his honest response. But like, I saw a headline of the interview where, like, the interview interview asked him, like, oh, do you mean that superhero movies cause Trump? And he's like, no, 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 of course not. That's ridiculous. I just mean that they both sort of grew out of the same infantilization. Mm-hmm. And the headline of the article was, Alan Moore says superhero caused Trumps. It's like, that's right. literally not. that he. They ask him that and he says no. And the <laughs> like, only reason he was doing the interview was to promote a different thing he worked on that has nothing to do with superheroes. And he keeps trying to make it clear he's not that interested in talking about superheroes. Anyways, that's what I mean is that uh, whenever people come to interview him, it's pretty clear yeah. that he's, he's just not very happy talking about Watchmen after all these years and gives them usually pretty blunt answers that people, which people react really wildly to uh, every time. And uh, I, I find it's interesting. I think Watchmen reveals a lot of uh, interesting ways that people misinterpret uh, both uh art and also how people discuss art because similarly to um a film that we're going to record an episode on right after this robocop uh i think more uh and verhoven understand what the boys also understands is that uh you can critique something and also really enjoy it and that there's actually an interesting tension there that you know more is uh kind of disgusted by what he sees in superhero comics and he's specifically interrogating what happens if adults try and bring their superhero fantasies into the real world into the adult world what can, what can happen with that but obviously he also loves superhero stories he's really entertained by them uh the boys has the same thing like uh, there's fantastic superhero moments but they're like really frightening they're they're like horror moments and and that gives it a a much more interesting texture than most superhero stuff we see 
Yeah, and I think that's something yeah. that even a lot of the Alan Moore defenders tend to miss in these mm -hmm. arguments. Because it seems like when people start complaining about Alan Moore and superheroes, there's this knee-jerk response. It's like, wow, did these people completely miss the point of Watchmen? It's a comic about how superheroes are always bad and superhero comics are bad, you know? And it's like, no, dude. Like, Alan Moore spent his whole career making mm -hmm. brilliant superhero comics. Mm -hmm. And what... After and only Miracle Man and Watchmen were the only ones that were like dark and subversive in that way. Like I'm also read. I'm also re sorry. A after that, he was kind of like, okay, I did that. I did the dark, subversive superheroes are bad version. Now I'm going to explore this in other interesting ways that were like more positive and not and and like. The, the the man loves the man loves superheroes. He has a deep well yeah. of knowledge about superheroes. Mm -hmm. And hearing these fucking MCU fans be like, see, like, how dare he? And so doesn't he know that Jewish people create? The, of course he knows that. He knows much more about old golden age superheroes than you will ever know. God, fuck, <laughs> shut up. And then what what like really bothers me is the, these are the same people that are like superheroes aren't fascist, but then they also say like, oh, and superheroes are like there are modern myths, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's why they're fascist. Yeah, you dumb exactly, dick. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, mythology has always been used by fascist and other oppressive regimes to like... It's like where the term <laughs> comes from. Monarchs in like France love to invoke like ancient Greek myths and stuff to like inspire like those devotion guys. to them and like we you see the same thing with superheroes and like the ruling class now so i've been reading uh, a really good book about the nixon administration recently called nixon land uh, mm. so i've been thinking about watchmen a lot because uh something else i think a lot of people miss is that watchmen is very specific to a certain time it's really specifically about the nixon administration and the shifts in american politics and it's specific specifically about what would happen if superheroes were real in like the world of you know 1969 or whatever it's right. it's not a quite as universal as people make it out to be but um it's it's fascinating the the different ways that it approaches superhero myths and the different ways it reveals uh, the flaws of uh, the the Nixon administration, the political culture as a whole, and and our attachment to these specific myths. The boy, <laughs> the boys is um, also making interesting critiques, but without the uh, subtlety and uh, nuance of Watchmen. Everything the boys right. does is like so over the top, so on the nose, and. I think it makes a very interesting comparison because Watchmen has frustrated me a lot of the time because like Trev, you were saying, I, I do actually sympathize with the complaint that people really misinterpret Watchmen and don't get the critiques of it. I do think it, it is very harsh on um, the superhero myth in a way that a lot of people seem to block out. And it's always perplexed me with Watchmen um, how people are able to dodge the messages that Alan Moore is trying to put forward. And I thought maybe it's just like too subtle, too ambiguous, whatever. 
But the fact that Movie Bob, a paid critic, cannot pick <laughs> up on the fact that, like, The Boys, which is about, you know, rapist, murderer, fascist superheroes trying to take over the world, that he can get, like, two seasons into that and not get that it might also be critiquing, like, the Marvel movies that he loves and holds dearly. <laughs> it just like it 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 throws my whole conception of art out the window. Like people can people can delude themselves into anything. It's also very funny that he invokes all the nuance with regard to Stormfront. Like the character <laughs> on the nose character mo- most ambiguously Her name is Stormfront. De- yeah, like because because you can say like, oh, look at Starlight. She's a superhero and she's a good guy. And then you have Queen Maeve, who seems like she's bad, but turns out to be redeemable. So it seems to me that the show is actually saying superheroes aren't always bad and blah, blah, blah. Like you could make that argument mm-hmm. and maybe say the show, the the content of the show is at odds with what Kripke saying in that interview. But no, he goes right to Stormfront and how nuanced. <laughs> her portrayal is and it's like no dude she's the nazi hero that's like exactly what he's talking about yeah the character called stormfront who wears like nazi looking gear like third reich uniform who calls themselves a nazi at a certain point who says like nazis invented superheroes (laughs) you are you're the vision of the nazi party it is by far like the most explicit on the nose aspect of the show (laughs) I may be letting too much slip here, but I it took me a little too long to realize like obviously Stormfront I was like, oh, she's a Nazi, but the costume I didn't get the uh, the third for like a little too long for me. I do appreciate that they did this thing where Stormfront puts on this fake snarky feminist persona. I thought (laughs) I thought that was very funny because in in the comics, Stormfront is a man and he's very like openly a Nazi. Oh, really? Yeah. In the comic, all of the superheroes in the boys are like cartoonishly evil. It's it's not like how. Homelander and Homelander is still the worst one, kind of, but like they're all just fucking sociopathic murderers and shit. There's no, there's none of the like uh, moral like gradient that you see in the superhero characters in the show. And yeah, and Stormfront's just he's the Nazi hero, and like you know he's a Nazi, and that's just how it is. So the fact that they not only made Stormfront a woman, but also had her talk in this kind of quippy MCU kind of <laughs> annoying dialogue, and like sort of makes sort of weirdly kind of liberal feminist statements, but mm-hmm. they sound very disingenuous. And yeah, sure enough, that's yeah. just this affected persona. Yeah, and she really plays on like a specific kind of um, uh, very, very capitalist like uh, girl boss feminism, even to get into like Maeve's trust while being like you know us girls have to stick together. That kind of an attitude. Yeah, it's a really smart characterization. Very slimy character. She also kind of has that like talks dirty one of the guys kind of women yeah. like attitudes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's uh I think it's interesting some of the characters that are more morally ambiguous like uh like Queen Maeve or like Starlight's supposed to be the good superhero or whatever. I'm hoping yeah. they eventually make Starlight fuck up really badly. But like with Queen Maeve, I think a great thing that they show is um how 
how you don't have to be a like a believer to still be like a useful tool to the system. Like she yeah. aids in some pretty awful shit without ever fully committing herself. Yeah, I feel like Queen Maeve could be a better character. Like I wish that they would let her be a little bit more evil like mm. uh like yeah. I mean like not not every character has to be Homelander, but it's kind of like I, I don't know. I feel I feel like they made her like almost too redeemable. You know, mm, I would have yeah. liked to see a little bit more darkness in Queen Maeve. It would have made her more interesting. The thing that will fuck up the show for me is is if they ever actually try to fully redeem one of the superheroes, I'll be pissed. I'm really I, hoping Starlight also ends up doing some bad, bad shit because I want all the superheroes gone. <laughs> I feel like Queen Maeve is already like fully on the good guy side now. And Starlight is a good guy. And even mm. fucking uh, Lamplighter, they kind of gave a little bit of redemption before mm. he uh, killed himself. And I, I like I feel like the, the, the show, the show is actually much rosier about superheroes that definitely than the source material, which is part of the reason, which is why I wasn't surprised at all to hear that Eric Kripke said they're actually fans of the Marvel movies because it's like. I feel like they're sh they shy away from demonizing superheroes too much. That's just my take. I love the show, though. It's a lot of fun. Looking forward yeah. to more boys in the future. Uh, I would love to hear Movie Bob's opinion on the uh, the very final shot of the finale, where we get. Uh, oh yeah. Which I love. Did not see coming. <laughs> it's revealed that the person who I didn't either. I cannot believe I didn't see it coming. It's revealed the that the person that who like blew so up good. all the heads at this hearing, the person oh, who's been assassinating right. people, is the uh, AOC yeah. like lookalike, yeah. uh, total like obvious stand-in, which I yeah. thought was great. I think that's an awesome uh, twist. I'm annoyed that I didn't see that coming it because her name, her name, Victoria <laughs> Newman, is actually she's actually named after the character in The Boys who was the vice president, and he was modeled after George W. Bush because the com oh, okay. the comic was basically all about the Bush administration. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. feel that sometimes, uh, season yeah. one especially. Yes, season one had some very Bush era stuff in this season. They definitely trumped it up a little more, but I didn't catch that until after like the big reveal. I was like, oh, of course, she's actually a bad guy. That makes sense. So, uh, what's your uh, both of you? What's your opinions on uh, season one versus season two? Do you think it's like remained consistent, gotten better? I think it's I think it's remained like relatively consistent and how much I enjoy it. But they're definitely like season two has definitely like changed a lot. I, not mm -hmm. a lot, but it kept all the things that I really liked about it anyway. I think season two had a much weaker ending personally. Mm. For the most part, I liked it. Even in the beginning, I maybe thought it was a little better, but I felt like the finale was a little bit of a letdown. It was kind of a mess. Mm. It was a little all over the place. Not as like focused or interesting yeah. to me as the way the first season ended. Yeah, I had a similar feeling. I think it was like setting up more, which was a little bit not amb overly ambitious, but it was just like it tried to set up more than the season one did, I guess, because they mm. didn't know what... I don't know. Were they confirmed for season two when season one ended? I'm not sure. I, d I, I don't, don't think know. so. 
I think they hmm. probably pretty much knew. Yeah, I had similar feelings. I found season two really, um, cons- I found it really entertaining throughout, really consistently. But looking back, I realized that uh, season one, I found started off a bit slow. But overall, I, I really like the structure of season one and how it's slowly built mm. up, um, yeah. especially yeah. Homelander as a character where like, they tease you so much with Homelander like slowly bit by bit you get to know him a little bit more and every scene is like the most exciting fucking thing in the world like as it's slowly revealed who he is leading up to I mean the plane scene when he finally goes fully mask off and it's like horrifying um and the ending is so good so satisfying that i was actually kind of upset when i remembered that it was a tv show and was going to keep going because i found it like such a good conclusion i would have just liked like 30 minutes more to wrap up and then gone but yeah season two less of uh less of an arc but overall still a very entertaining show that i'm gonna keep watching probably the only show that i am interested in watching right now yeah since we've already gotten into spoilers i'll also just say I don't feel crazy about the fact that they just went ahead and killed off Becca after very deliberately like unkilling her off at the end of season one, Mm -hmm. you know, because that felt that was one of the most interesting things, which was also a major change from the comics and the whole dead wife uh, motivation thing is something that's often criticized. So it's so it kind of felt like a little bit of a correction where they're like, oh, what if his wife actually wasn't dead? And we had to deal with the ramifications of that. And yeah, then after a season of his wife being alive, they're like, oh, but she is actually just going to be dead anyway. It's mm. kind of like, uh, I don't know, not the strongest yeah. narrative choice to me. Feels like they're doing a reset. So season three, they can go back to classic boys style, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely trying to set up a certain plot line with, um, I mean, with uh, Carl Urban taking care of that kid, which I think is uh, a good thing to go with. But yeah, I was that that choice felt a little odd to but me. Too. It seems like the kid's well, just getting shipped off. He just dropped off the kid to Mallory and the kid's going to go off somewhere and he's not going to have to deal with. Oh, the kid. I forgot about that. And now that oh, yeah. and now like the CIA is like on their side so they can hmm. become an official CIA team like they are in the comics and everything's finally set to like standard oh. like the way it's supposed to be. Um, and, uh, and it just kind of is like, I don't know, like that's fine. And I'm sure they can. Yeah. I've read the comics. They can, they can do a lot more interesting stuff with it. I'm sure. I just felt like they made some very strong choices coming out of the first season and they nullified that a little bit. Uh, that, that connects to, I think one of the really interesting choices of season two, um, and, um, of, of course, all the most interesting stuff in this show to me involves Homelander in some way. I'm just so fascinated <laughs> by that character. I really like in season two, the choice to make Homelander's connection with his son, not just the cynical ploy to like create his own superhero, but like, um, this pretty deep and painful, uh, kind of uh mission to almost correct the trauma of his childhood of like being raised as an experiment 
Uh, that was, I thought, a surprisingly sympathetic motivation for a character which is still very evil, and it doesn't make him any less evil, but it does actually do a pretty good job of, like, giving more uh, depth, I'd say, to, like, where his... Uh, his sociopathic, uh, you know, search for power comes from. Right. And it's the kid for Homelander very much represents his own humanity, which he's completely cut off from and really trying desperately to uh, connect with. (laughs) I thought that was the strongest part of the uh, the whole finale was I I thought it was actually really emotionally impactful for uh, Homelander's son to choose uh, um, I always, I always just call him Carl Urban. I know, yeah, yeah. Billy, Billy Butcher. Uh, Billy Butcher. Uh, that his son chooses him over Homelander. That's actually a pretty. That, that was an emotionally powerful moment, and it's thematically resonant mm-hmm. because one of Homelander's great struggles is that he is the most powerful being in the world. But the one thing he doesn't have is he he doesn't have humanity. That's what yeah. he's always he searching for is like love and adoration. Yeah. And it's it's never enough. And also, like, it's very funny because Homelander is also such a child. And it's yeah. very funny that he has. <laughs> he's ha- never had he's, to grow up. He's never had consequences. Yeah. <laughs> and he sort of has this sincere desire to connect with his son. But anytime he gets yeah. any kind of pushback from his son, he's just kind of like, well, fuck this kid. Like, <laughs> this little, little it's re- baby. It's <laughs> really funny. Really good. Really yeah. Can we just go over like some of our favorite stuff from the series? Because I think it's a it's a show that's a mixed bag with some high highs. I would say my my biggest criticism with the boys is I think it's a um, it's uh, a show of inconsistent quality. Uh, some plot lines are a lot better than others, but I think it hits some amazing highs. So yeah, I just want to go over like some of our favorite uh, moments from the series. Uh, I want to start off with. The thing which opens up the show, which I think is a fantastic inciting incident, uh, <laughs> Huey's uh, girlfriend getting obliterated <laughs> by uh, A-Train, uh, an awesome, super fucking gory uh, way to open the show. I really loved in season two when they rammed the boat into the whale, <laughs> just because it's so telegraphed. But when it happens, it's still so shocking and so funny. And like, I love how like it's like slapstick, like hyper violence, sort of like uh, in the recent Doom games. Like, oh yeah, it's incredibly violent and glory, but it's still like at its at its core is like this is supposed to be funny. This is like the Three Stooges hitting themselves with ladders or whatever. <laughs> the the heads exploding was my favorite moment of gore uh, in this series. Mm. That was something straight out of Scanners. Yeah. If I had to pick one standout moment, I really think that like the confrontation between Butcher and Homelander at Oof, uh, yeah. at at Sitwell's house where he's rigged with the explosives was just oh, a yeah. very like mm-hmm. just a very strong, tense moment that was like a great uh, showcase for all three of those characters like you see so much more humanity in Sitwell because she's so concerned about the safety of her baby mm-hmm. uh, you you see like the full extent of like Butcher's like rage and need for revenge and you see Homelander just become come completely mask off murder his own uh, mother figure sexual 
uh, <laughs> obsession thing. Like, uh, and it's it's ju- just a great moment that I don't think anything in season two quite equaled, though I did like season two a lot. Yeah, any scene with Homelander, I mean... Yeah, he's he's incredible to watch. That's That connects to another element I really like about, especially season one, is um, I really like Homelander's mommy fetish. Mm-hmm. And I think the way it's treated <laughs> is just... It, it's so good, and it felt so refreshing because it is a very uncomfortable sexual scene that um really reveals a lot about both characters it's filmed real it's filmed really well whenever it happens like it's really creepy but uh, i like that they didn't really go for um it just being weird for the sake of weird it was like uh i don't know it felt like some it kind of reminded me of like dennis hopper in blue velvet and his mommy kink stuff it felt like a really expressive way to like reveal something about the character that goes uh, really deep into his psychology like a bit beyond Mm -hmm. uh words yeah that whole relationship with him and elizabeth shoe is really great and Mm -hmm. it's also another thing that was completely original to the show that yeah oh really didn't that's cool oh yeah homelander is not nearly as interesting a character in the comics Mm. he's just Mm. a just a very direct kind of evil sociopathic guy who just wants to kill everybody and doesn't really have any nuance to his character uh my favorite moment in the whole series it's cliche but that airplane scene is i i do think like the absolute fucking height of the show and one of the elements i love about it which is an element that i consistently love about homelander is um his entitled childlike attitude where he is so nonchalant and dismissive about the incredible violence that he does uh i love how he just like when he realizes he's gonna kill everybody on the plane it's not a big deal to him like he doesn't think about it too hard he kind of shrugs it off he does his like stupid little like smirk like you know not my problem. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's life. <laughs> hey, that's it. Sorry, that's the situation. And the only time he gets pissed off is when people on the plane try and touch him. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's like furious. He's so angry. His, his like, later in that episode, his, like, emotional speech on the news is also Ooh, incredible. Because yeah. it has that oh dark God. undercurrent. Like knowing that he's really the one that basically killed all those people. Yeah. (laughs) Or he's talking about how they should be in the military. Yeah, but yeah, and he's able to come off so sincere and like fake Mm -hmm. uh, being choked up and really sell it. (laughs) And it's like, it just shows all the the sides to this guy that make him so fucking evil and terrifying. Uh, there's a good moment in season two where he, for a second, imagines just murdering an entire crowd of oh, people, just like so slicing good. them yeah. and, uh, with his laser eyes. And then he just decides not to do it because it would be, you know, it'd be a stressful PR situation. Yeah. Wouldn't be good for his image. <laughs> he know he knows it's uh, not the right time, and he has to. Yeah, hold it's back. It, it's not a moral choice. It's like a marketing decision. Yeah. <laughs> Less of like a moment and more just like sort of a recurring theme is like the humanity of um, specifically Frenchie and M.M. Like 
just the way that they do those characters where they're like realistic but still like guys you really want to root for and like like i just really liked even though they didn't have like the best arcs really like i didn't love their storylines i just i thought Uh. the performances and the characters themselves were like really great my uh my favorite episode of the series is largely focused on um uh what's his name uh frenchy uh the guy with the shaved head um Mm -hmm. yeah or there's an awesome episode in season one where they have uh, uh, they have Translucent captured and they're trying to kill him and he's like almost unkillable it seems mm-hmm. and it's so so good because it's just a bunch of humans and they have like a, a godlike uh, you know figure in, <laughs> in this basement and they're just trying to figure out how to defeat someone who's a superhero and uh, all the while Homelander is like zooming around in the sky looking for them which is really freaky and it's so good both as like a you know little 45 minute or whatever awesome kind of horror action short film about evil superheroes but also it does a good job of setting up both the fact that the superheroes are like near unkillable even if you catch them they're like fucking indestructible but also that it is possible you can figure out a way. It's just like extremely, extremely uh, difficult. So that might be my favorite episode of the of the series. That that's such like a good introductory episode because the way it ends with Huey clicking the button after you don't <laughs> yeah. think he's gonna do it is so good shocking. Moment. And then it goes into the the cherry bomb music, which fucking rocks. Like when you blow something up and you play cherry bomb, that's cool. I don't you know. I don't care if it's cliche. I think it's good. The the first and last cool thing Huey ever did on the show, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I feel like he's done other cool stuff. Yeah, I, I'm just kidding, I but Huey any, is so. fucking lame. <laughs> Huey and Starlight are boring. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst part of the show to me. Weakest. Yeah. Huey's always whining. There's so much Huey whining in season yeah. two that it starts to to strain credulity that they would like put up with it so much. Like there's serious <laughs> shit going on. We don't have time for your like whining and little boy behavior. Like fucking man up or get out of here, dude. <laughs> uh, the last the last scene I'm gonna mention is uh, just one that um very. The most Verhoeven moment in the series, and also one of the funniest moments uh, near the end of season two, when we see the instructional training video for uh, school children on what to do if a supervillain shows up <laughs> at your school. Just hilarious, yeah. you know, teaching kids to like use the American flag uh, yeah. to fight these <laughs> heroes who, as we've seen, are like indestructible killing machines. Yeah. Uh, hilarious. I love I love that video. It, it does like very on the nose uh, topical commentary from a liberal perspective, but manages to be funny and not like incredibly annoying which is a a very impressive feat for a show like this 
And it has like at least, you know, it it does do some things, which I feel like most shows are not willing to do. I mean, I always it's a far better show politically and dramatically than the goddamn Watchmen show. Oh, of shit. course. I uh, can't but, like, even it, get into all the all of that right now. But, you know, when it comes to the, the Bush era critiques, like it does a good job of I think one of the smarter things it does is have uh, Vought be funding both sides of a conflict and just making money from eternal war like i think that's a a a smart decision that i feel often uh, it's a kind of critique that is very simple and on the nose but it's something i feel is often um often looked over often missed so that's all i have to say about the boys i just want to talk about this show that we all have a a mutual love for it's really great. Go watch it if you haven't already. It's just a lot of fun. If you haven't watched it, you shouldn't have listened to this. We just spoiled the whole show, you <laughs> idiot. What are you doing? Yeah, but it's yeah. still fun to watch. You know, you're not gonna. It's not gonna ruin it. If you wanna, if you want uh, to hear what we're gonna record after this, which will be our episode on RoboCop, you'll have to go onto our Patreon. And I think we have some yeah. new patrons uh, this week. Oh right, we uh, yes. I can't promise that this uh, RoboCop episode will be up by the time you're hearing this one, but probably pretty soon, if not already. The Batman and- Begins ones are up. So yes, check those you can out. definitely hear Batman Begins Part One and Two. Uh, thanks for all the uh, positive feedback we got on those, by the way. People said some very nice things. We appreciate that. And we have six new patrons to shout out today. Uh, Dang. We, yep, that's right. Wow. We've got Gregory, Ian, uh, our good friend Evan from Kino Lefter. Love Thank him. you so much. Yep, we love that oh, guy. Another friend of ours, Zach Bartlett, who uh, had a very nice piece in the most recent uh, issue of Blood Knife. Uh, so check out bloodknife.com. Uh, Benjamin and a personal friend of mine who you guys don't know, PJ, Proctor J. Semhouse. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate your support. Wasn't PJ and, on uh, uh, one of your older podcasts? Yeah, he's an old uh, podcast co-host okay. of mine. Um, yeah, I can't <laughs> who's now been demoted to podcast supporter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, lo- the I, lo- I love you. Have turned. I love you, PJ. Thank you for your support. Uh, also, we are now just five patrons away from hitting our f- our one hundred dollar goal. Uh, at which point, I, Trevor will be forced to listen to an entire episode of a Kevin Smith podcast, which you, the patrons, will get to choose which episode I have to listen to. Uh, so uh, if you're listening and you haven't uh, subscribed and you want to torture me personally, then uh, now's the time <laughs> to get in on the ground floor. Aren't those podcasts, are those like Joe Rogan style, like four hour long podcasts? I think they're, I think they're pretty long. He's definitely done some (laughs) long ones. That's for sure. You get your money's worth for sure. If any fans have any like suggestions on like the most painful one, (laughs) send us that one. No, 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 no. This is, this is open to patrons only. Feel free to, if you are a patron, you can message us or comment on Patreon uh, we'll probably have a poll or a thread or something. Uh, anyone else? Uh, you have no input on this. Your opinion doesn't matter. Want to make that perfectly clear? 
That's that's <laughs> one of the one of the privileges of uh, patronage, right? That's that's how it works. And movie Bob, send me a, a DM if you ever want a guest. Uh, oh love, yeah, we would, would love, love to, to have, have movie Bob on. We'd love yeah. to have you and your family. Love to pick pick that man's yeah, brain. Yeah, the whole Chipman crew. <laughs> All right, talk to you later, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Okay.